Let's go to Psalm chapter 131. So you guys have been going through Psalms. Uh, and when Michael invited me to speak and said, here, we're going through Psalm, you can pick one, pray about it. Uh, I only had to pray like two seconds. I was like, Lord, what would you want me to, to, to speak? And it was, boom, Psalm 131. Boom, hit reply all on the email. Claimed that before anyone else could. Sorry, Devante, I got it first. <laughs> Psalm 131, if you're there, this is what it says. It says, Oh, Yahweh. Your Bibles will say capital L-O-R-D. Anytime you see a capital L, a capital O, a capital R, and a capital D, that is the holy name of God. Uh, we believe, the best of our knowledge, that it would sound something like Yahweh. And it's the personal name of God that God revealed to Moses. And there's something so intimate about God's name being revealed to us. It's the difference between... When you, when you meet that person and, and then you re-meet them like a week later and you're like, hey, you, right? You ever done that? And you're like, they know your name and walk up like, hey, Jake, how's it going? Hey, you. Um, happens to me all the time because um, I've been a pastor and preacher and so a lot of times I'll preach in a room so I can visit a place and I'll tell my name, my story, and I'm up here for a while, and they'll feel like, man, I feel like I kind of know this Jake guy a little bit, right? Because we, we've shared something. Um, but then I maybe met them for like a couple seconds, and then later they're like, oh, Jake. And I'm like, hey, you, right? And God, when God revealed himself to Moses, he was doing something just insanely personal. When he revealed this personal name. That we don't go to God and just go, hey, you, God, we don't know, like, we don't know much about, like, I don't know who you are, like, hey, you, no, 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 no. We get to say, Yahweh. Furthermore, when it gets revealed that it's a father, a heavenly father, we get to say, yeah, Abba. We get to say the name above every name, Jesus, our Hebrew Yeshua. That we get to know this God. And so right off, this it's important that when you're reading the Bible to, and you see the capital L-O-R-D, it's important that you, in your mind, do the translation and say Yahweh. Because you miss out on how personal this prayer and song is. Because it's starting off right, right off the bat with David saying, Oh, Yahweh! This, one, this name that I know, this God that I know, this God that has not hidden His name from me, but, but has shown, oh, Yahweh, my God, I know you and you know me. We're in relationship. We know each other's names. We're, he has friendship with God. And He says, oh, Yahweh. This personal cry and praise and prayer to God. And not just some unknown or distant God, but a God who David gets to personally know. And then he says, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. 
O Israel, hope in Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. So, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Translation. Translation. David is saying, I am not trying to be God. He says, oh, Yahweh, I'm not trying to be God. I'm not, I'm not lifting my eyes too high to try to figure out things that I cannot figure out. And then, furthermore, he's saying, I am not trying to be in control. I'm not going to occupy myself. Have you ever occupied your mind trying to be in control? Have you ever tried to control what someone else thinks of you? How does that work? What, what if, I, if I just dressed different? If I talked a little different? If I did this different? Maybe they would like me. Or just, you know, I wonder what they're thinking of me. You're trying to control what they think of you. Have you ever tried to control someone else's decision making? If we just did this or just did that, or I mean, sometimes we do this as Christians, right? Where it's like, I'm going to bait and switch them to Jesus. I'm going to like, like argue them into it or control them into it. Or if I could just get them in there. And they're just like, just like, give me some space. I need a brain. Right? You're like a mask. <laughs> Contextual there. Quarantine reference. someone in your life, you feel like they're kind of trying to control you? You ever had that feeling? And it's just like they're, and you're like, man, I'm a man now, mom! <laughs> well, then move out. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, mom. We are occupying ourselves with things that God is in control of. God in His sovereignty have given us some things that we get to be in control of. Like we get to make decisions throughout our day. And that's about it. Everything else is completely out of our control, right? Even some of those, it's like we can decide to wake up on time and get, get up and get going. We have control of our thoughts. Scripture says you can take every thought captive. You can actually control the way you're thinking and, and let the word of God lead your thoughts. But most things are too high and too marvelous for us. Most things are forgotten to control. I mean, he controls us. We're all under his control as well. But like I said, in the sovereignty, he gives us. said it this way, let God be God. Let God be God. David is saying, oh Yahweh, I'm going to let you be you. Or in today's terms, he says, God, you do you. Right? But he's not going to try to be God for God. Have you ever tried to be God for God? 
It, it, it doesn't work. He's better at being God than we are. We're not the creator. We're not sinless. I don't, I don't walk outside and then angels start to just surround me and go, holy, holy, holy. That has never happened to me. It's not even once. Right? I don't get in a storm and, and, and then just, just put out my hand and be like, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves are just like, boom. Like that's, I've never been able to do that. When I was a kid, I read about Jesus walking in the water and I would always try it. Have you ever tried that? And it's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Lord, I have faith in you. I'm going to walk on the water. <laughs> like, I would try that all the time. I might have tried it as an adult before even. And I don't know if that's testing the Lord or not, but it, it, I've never done it. It's never happened once. Not even like a toe has stayed above. No walking on water ability. And this is just a reminder that we are not God. We're not. We're not. It's really, really important for us to know. And you're like, oh, that's so obvious. Is it? Do you wake up each morning giving the God of all creation the worship that he is due, depending on him, trusting in him, having faith that he is in control of your days? I love what David says next because he says this, I have calmed and quieted my soul. I have calmed and quieted my soul. See, how has he calmed and quieted his soul? He's calmed and quieted his soul by not listening to that deep inner part of yourself that says, you should be in charge. If you did this, right? His, when his inner being, when the deepest parts of him are saying those things, he says, no, no, no. Calm down, quiet soul. See, a soul that is trying to be God a soul that is trying to be God in any area of life, over any person, over any people, place, or thing, will be an anxious soul. It will not become. If you're here right now and you're struggling with anxiety, insomnia, stress, you have anxiousness, things are making you anxious, ask the Lord to show you. Where are the areas where you are trying to be God? Who or what are you trying to be Lord over? It can happen in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's a functional Savior. Is there someone that you are believing you are responsible to save them? Have you ever had that happen in your life where you're, you're like, I gotta be the one that's there. I gotta help them. I gotta do this. I gotta change them. I gotta make sure they make the right decisions. I gotta make sure they go down the right path. I gotta make sure they quit this addiction. I got to, I got to, I got to. And you, no matter how hard you try to be the functional savior, you can't save them, you can't change them, you can't make them make the right decisions. And in all your efforts, your soul is not calm, but anxious. Any area of your life where you are trying to be God, it will cause your soul to be anxious. It'll cause your soul not to be calm, but to be troubled. To be troubled. Where are you trying to be God? 
and trying to be Lord over any person, place, or thing. It, it's not just where you're trying to be functional savior. It can be where are you trying to get worship? Where are you trying to get people to notice you and make your name great? I mean, how, do you, how many of you guys wake up in the morning and you're just like, how can I make my name great today? And you don't think it that way, but that's what you're thinking. You're thinking, how can I get the perfect Instagram picture today that's going to get the right amount of likes? But just get the light, just boop, just woke up, just woke up like this, right? Or, or just like, I'm just frolicking through the field today. It's another frolic day for me. Right? Or if I just get my TikTok number right. 30,000 views on TikTok. Thank you very much. Hibachi.com. Shout out. Anywhere where you're trying to gain worship is going to make your soul anxious. Are they worshiping me? Are they worshiping me? Are they not? What are they saying about my name? What about my reputation? What if they find out where I failed here? What if they found out my brokenness? What if they find out my sins? You ever said that you, you got junk that you're trying to hide and you're like, man, if someone discovers this junk, this crap, this, this, they won't think I'm worthy of worship. What if my reputation goes down? If you're a Christian, we believe that our reputation is dead anyway. You find out my deepest, darkest sins? Oh well. My reputation is dead anyway. I have a new one. It's in Christ. It's based on what He's done. It's based on who He is. It's based on His saving work. It's based on His worthiness of worship. Your reputation is dead anyways. And what happens, what causes this anxiety is deep down we know our brokenness and our sin and our dead reputation-ness. And we try to paint it and make it pretty. Right? So it's just like taking this dead, rotted corpse and being like, what clothes can we put on it? What makeup can we put on it? How can we do its hair? And the whole time we're knowing, like, but it's a corpse, but it's rotting, but it's smell, and like, this is what we do when we try to pretend we're perfect, like Jesus. And it doesn't allow our souls to be calm. Because instead of getting to say, I'm not God, I'm not perfect, I jacked it all up before like 10 a.m. today, committed more sins than I can remember, thought, word, and deed, but he's forgiven me, and he's making me new, and there's sins that I've been freed from, and guess what? That reputation's dead anyway. My reputation is now in Christ because he's fully worthy of worship. David is calming his soul, saying, don't try to be God's soul. And the temptation was there for David. He was king. He was king. He probably had, uh, not even probably, he definitely had more access to worldly things that would make it feel like he was worthy of worship than we do. We have TikTok, he had like a whole kingdom. I don't even have TikTok. I'm just learning about it. I'm like Instagram, I'm behind the game on TikTok. That's a, that's a really relevant reference, did people get that? 
because Instagram just added a feature to try to compete with TikTok and Facebook ads. So that's, that was like a fresh today reference, guys. I'm 38 years old and knew that. So props, come on. Let's go. So hip, man, yes, points. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. See, a soul that's trying to be God is an anxious soul, and a soul that's trying to be in control is a noisy soul. Hear that? Just you. You should be. You should be in charge of that. They should kind of listen to you. You need to do this here. If I was in control of this, if they just did what I thought they should do, right? If they just did, how many of you like? Quarantine times have had the thoughts of like, if they would just listen to all my thoughts on what we should do, we would be good to go. I think that every day. Every day I'm like, I should be governor, I should be president, I should be just in charge of all this stuff. This would all be fixed. I don't know how, but it'd be better. Definitely. But David says this David says, shut up, soul. He does. He literally says that in other psalms as well. He says, I tell, I speak to my soul. Don't just listen to your soul. Speak to it. You say, soul, shut up and bow your knee to God who is actually in control. David says, I've calmed and quieted my soul. You know what else I love about this? It tells us that David, a man after God's own heart, a man who's just written all this scripture, just a Bible hero, has a noisy and anxious soul. Right? He doesn't say, oh Yahweh, I've always had this great, calm, quiet soul. Look at me. It's just always that way. I wake up, it's that way. It's going to be that way tomorrow. They call me calm, quiet soul guy. That's why I'm playing with the sheep, the shepherd thing. It's all part of my, my big worship leader, king guy, slay Goliath, all of calm, quiet soul, right? Just cave flapping the wind, David. You're just like, no, I'm never going to be like that guy. No, 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 no. He says, I've calmed and quieted it. Why? Because his soul gets anxious and noisy. If you're here and your soul gets anxious and noisy, don't start beating yourself up. That's what Satan wants to do, right? He's talking to you, man. You're anxious and noisy. Your soul's jacked. You're messed up. You know what that makes you? Human. If you're here tonight, you got a noisy, anxious soul that wants to be God and wants to be in control. Welcome to humanity. It means you're still breathing even with your mask on. You're human. Your soul gets anxious and noisy. We can be friends. David... Is human. But he doesn't stay there. He calms and quiets it. How? He says this. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And sure, this shows a statement is pro breastfeeding over formula. 
But that's not the main point here. It's not. He would have been on the yeah, breastfeedingmamas.com and just waving the flag, shaking the formula feeders. He would have been doing that, yes, but that again is not his main point. Okay, so we have four kids. Before a child is weaned, it basically just wants like every human being for breast milk. Like even the dad. Like it all, like all of my kids, when I've held them, they're snuggling little, they just start they do this. Give it up! I got nothing. Trust me. You just keep trying. This is not gonna be satisfying for you or for me. No one's gonna enjoy this. Alright? But they they do what? And then if they don't get the milk, they're just screaming, ah, ah, what the milk? I'm not gonna sleep, I'm not gonna enjoy this. And they're just kicking and they're screaming, and you're like, why? And they look so cute, and you're like, oh but they're cute, I guess. It's okay. Ah! But when a child is weaned, when a child is weaned, it'll just rest in its mother's arms because it wants to be in its mother's arms. Because that's the place where it feels the most peace. Because they have now connected and they know this is my mother. She loves me. I love her. I just want to be held by her. They've been weaned, and their mother's no longer just a source of food, but as a person that they connect with. David is saying, my soul now just rests in your godness. And isn't there times where we just want to come to God for what we can get from him, right? God, if you just give me this right now, if you just give me this promotion, if you just give me this... And we're like a child that's not weaned. We get this noisy and anxious soul. God, I would, I would totally have peace if you would just give me this, 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 and this. Which is what's happening there. We're being God. Because God is choosing in His perfect, divine, absolute sovereignty to not give you this, this, and this. But you're saying, God, everything would be good. I would have peace. I would have joy. I would have happiness if you would give me this, this, and this. But He's not giving you this, this, and this. Why is He not giving you this, this, and this? Because in His perfect goodness and sovereignty... It is better for you not to have this, this, and this right now. But you're saying, no, 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 God, it would be better if I had this, this, and this right now. But what are you saying when you say that? And you start to, and you're like, God, I can trust you if you give me this and this. I would have happiness if you give me this, this, and this. I would have joy if you give me this, this, and this. But God in his sovereignty and his godness is not giving you this, this, and this. And your soul is getting noisier and anxiouser and arguing and frustrated and saying, well, I would come to you, God, if you would just give me this, this, and this. And that. This, this, and this, and that. Because we always add to it. Because then God sometimes does give you this, this, and this, right? And what happens the second that God gives you this, this, and this? You're happy for about 30 seconds. Lord, I love you. I bless you. You gave me this, this, and this. You're the best. Oh, you're the giver of every good, perfect gift. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And now I want that, and that, and this. And we go through the cycle all over again, right? Like an infant that needs a nurse every couple hours and starts freaking out if it doesn't. Are you going to eat again? Ah, ah, ah. And you will, you will. We've been, we've been feeding you since day one. Like Before you even came out of the womb, there's like a cord that feeds you. We're going to feed you. I'm never going to eat again. I'm going to starve. 
No, trust me, those chubby little legs aren't starving. Like, you look like a Michelin man. Like, you're going to be okay. And yet, don't we do that with God? And we receive even the very things. He actually invites us. He's just so good and patient. He invites us for important things and for just lesser things. Just, yeah, go ahead. Just, I'm a father, I'm a good father. Just ask me for it. But what David is saying here is that he's weaned himself from just asking God for things. He's saying that he's calmed and quiet his soul. And that calming and quieting has led him to just want to be with his God. I just want to be with you. Because you're you. He wants to be with Yahweh because Yahweh is Yahweh for his personhood. Have you had friends like that? Friends that you just want to be with because you just want to share in their personhood. With all the friends that might like us for something, transactional relationship, if you had those friends where you're just like, man, I just like want to be with you to be with you. That's what David is saying here. He's saying, you know what calms and quiets my soul is that uh, is when I'm just with God to be with God. Because God is love. Because he is who he is. Which, ironically, is how he revealed himself. I am who I am. That's what Yahweh means. And David is saying, I've learned to just be with you, who you are. When we start to learn to be with Jesus, we start to learn how to calm and quiet our soul. One of the ways to calm and quiet your soul is to stop trying to be God and stop trying to control God. And just go and be with God. Good. Just go and be with Him. Jesus said it this way, Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Just abide. He said, Abide in my love. Just be there. Dwell there. Remain there. Stay there. Those are abide synonyms I just threw them out there. feel like, man, my soul is anxious and noisy. I encourage you to go somewhere quiet and be still with God. Be still with God. He says more. O Israel, hope in Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. O Israel, hope in Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. Another thing that will calm, well, this is before we go to the, the pause and start the Another thing that causes our soul to be anxious and noisy is misplaced hope. Misplaced hope will cause your soul to be anxious and noisy. If you're hoping 
in the world, the, your job, your girlfriend, your future spouse, husband. If you're hoping that, man, you could only have kids. You know, this, if you're hoping in something or someone other than Jesus. It is going to cause you to have a noisy and anxious soul. But a soul that places its hope in the God of the Bible, places its hope in the person and promises of Jesus, is a soul that has the deepest of peace. Place your hope in Jesus. And I love it. It says, place your hope in Jesus from this time forth and forevermore. From this time forth. And what that means is that the right time to repent of misplaced hope, the right time to repent of misplaced hope, to turn from the, the, the sin and rebellion of placing your hope in someone or something besides God, the right time to repent of that is now. So he says, from this time forth. See, he's in Israel. Maybe we've all had a bunch of noisy and anxious souls. Maybe we've just been misplacing our hope. Maybe we've just been placing our hope over here, placing our hope over there, placing it over there. Well, the right time to place our hope in King Jesus is right now. From this time forth, we are living in one of the most noisy and anxious and soul-crazy times that maybe we'll ever live through in our lifetime. I've talked to recently people that are in their 60s and 70s, and they say, I've never been a time more crazy, more stressful, more unknown than now. Where will we place our hope? Have we misplaced it? The scripture says, if you want to calm and quiet your soul, if you want to be a light in darkness, you place your hope in Jesus and his promises. Hebrews says that he is an anchor for our soul. An anchor is for storms. That's what it's for. It keeps the boat from just being dragged apart and shipwrecked against the rocks because the anchor holds it in the midst of the storm. This means that our hope right now is to be in Jesus, not in your bank account, not in your bank statement, not in if my job will start now or if school will start now. Your hope is not in Google win the election. It's not in the Democratic Party. It's not in the Republican Party. Your hope is not in Donald Trump. Your hope is not in Black Lives Matter. Your hope is not in a mask. Your hope is not in a vaccine. Your hope is not in hydroxychloroquine. Your hope is not in Governor Inslee. Your hope is not in Governor Inslee being out of office. Our hope, what makes us different, what makes us stand out, what makes it different if we are followers of Jesus, is our hope is in Jesus and his promises and his person and his presence. And so if you have placed your hope in anyone or anything other than Jesus, you can right now from this time forth say, no, I'm done hoping in that. say from this time forth and forevermore I will hope in Jesus.
Jesus, we confess we so often have noisy and anxious souls. We do this because we try to be God and we try to take your spot. We do this because we see people or things or systems that we think we can control, and so we try to. And it causes us so much anxiety. We confess that we are so quick to just put our hope in silly things, put our hope in our Instagram account or our sports team. Or we'll just put hope in so many things that aren't you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Jesus, we thank you that you You died for all of our misplaced hope, all of our battles for control, all of our desire to, to wrestle your Father off the throne and be God. You died for that. That this evil that dwells inside of us has been put to death on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, before we even close, just silently, I know you're just going to get a chance to discuss this later, but just silently between you and God. Just confess where you're trying to be in control. Confess where you're trying to be God. Confess where you're misplacing hope. Let's just take a minute or two to just silently confess that. Let's take a minute or two to calm and quiet our soul with confession and the truth. The right time to repent is always now, from this time forth. Let's take a, take a moment. Jesus. Jesus.